Welcome, Warriors, to MDC. In this series, I'm examining every single goddamn page of the Secrets of Shadowloo supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game, intent on uncovering the single biggest secret on each page. Every episode covers one page, every episode is short. Secrets of Shadowloo was published in 1994 by White Wolf Game Studio. Today we're discussing page 52 of Secrets of Shadowloo. We're just about to start in on the Undercity of Mriganka, which is where a lot of the action would happen in an adventure on the island. But we have just a few sites left on the surface to talk about. One of them I obviously have to talk about, real low-hanging fruit. Uh, let's start with the easy stuff. Site number 14 is the swimming pool. Quote, near the main entrance to the Undercity is a gigantic, serene swimming pool. Killer sharks do not patrol the pool, nor will rolling steel doors cover up the water in an emergency, forcing everyone inside to slowly drown. The rollaway doors are under the water. There's a 2,000-foot silo under the pool, holding the hypertronic space shuttle. If the shuttle must be launched, the pool will open, and anyone in the pool will plunge thousands of feet to a grisly demise. Here we have a, a textbook example of senseless supervillainy. Okay, you've got a hypertronic space shuttle, and you may, in a pinch, need to launch it at the moon. I understand. You're a supervillain. What you really need to accomplish this is... Looks like about a 2,000-foot silo underground and just simply a door. I mean, it's a roll-away door, okay, it's, but it's, it's simply a door. I understand you don't want to leave it uncovered, might be detected by aerial surveillance, and also what if it rains? It's kind of trashy just to leave it out, right? You do need a door. You could have put this door anywhere. I mean, first of all, you've clearly got a huge underground structure under the island. I don't think that's a secret. So just a, a bare rollaway door is not that suspicious. Could be a space shuttle, could be a missile, could be some kind of hover jet access, could be anything. You're not giving away that you've got a shuttle. But assuming that you want to hide it, how about like some tarp and maybe a little bit of astroturf on there? Something like that. Uh, make it a big storage area that nobody knows exactly what's in there. Fill it with uh, empty cardboard boxes. Just like a big barbed wire chain link fenced in area full of empty cardboard boxes or nothing put up a security fence and then just nothing behind it the door itself or the door with the tarp over it or at the very least let's say it has to be water for some reason make it a make it a reflecting pool make it a reflecting pool with a statue of him bison in the middle and have some kind of inscription about how we should you know gaze upon his glory which we know that he wants anyway what is to be gained in an emergency situation by having hapless swimmers splattering on the windshield of your fucking space shuttle when you're making an emergency trip to the moon. What is to be gained by installing the tremendous amount of drainage and plumbing that you need to dispose of a swimming pool worth of water without having it flood the 2,000 foot deep silo where you're trying to launch a space shuttle? This is some real nonsensical James Bond stuff. I'm very happy that it's here. This is another example of Chatelou's sense of humor. You know, I don't know if other people do this, but sometimes you plant things in your life. Like if you're preparing something for a bad situation or a stressful situation, you plan ahead for an element of it that'll be fun. You plant a little silver lining there. This is M. Bison uh, preemptively creating his own fun. It's a bad day when you got to take an emergency trip into space. Never a happy occasion. But at least there is a silver lining. If we ever have to take an emergency trip to space, probably a bunch of people in swimwear... Some of them in goggles, some of them on floaties, are going to fall to their death before our eyes, before we take off. And that'll that'll lighten things up. So there's some obvious supervillainy for you. Let me direct your attention, though, to the next site on this list, number 15, the Hovercraft Cave. Uh, we do not find this on the map of Mriganka on page 44, so we don't know exactly where this is, except that it's going to be on the eastern side of the island. 
And here's what it says, quote, Four hovercrafts are docked here. The six thugs who operate them live in a shack and spend most of their time monitoring radar, playing cards, and watching television. You could miss it on a skim through this section looking for adventure locations, but on a close read like this, what the fuck? We got four hovercrafts, okay? They're on the eastern side of the island. They are docked in a cave. And if you check out earlier in this section where it talks about what happens if you try to like come into Mergonka on any kind of a speedboat or something, they'll scramble these hovercrafts in response to any invasion with an aquatic vehicle. What you could do, and I'm just spitballing here, but you could take somebody who's a part of your overall defense force, make sure that they are certified on hovercraft, you know, train them in combat hovercraft, and then three days a week, one day a week, five days a month, whatever you need to do to make the schedule work, have them hang out in the cave, ready to go in case of an emergency. You rotate people through, and in the rare event that there's a wild speedboat on the horizon, you've always got somebody there ready to pilot the hovercrafts. Take four people away from their other duties for a day, for a couple of days, you're all covered. And most of the time, this is going to be a plum assignment. Not a lot of speedboats coming in to invade Mergonka. It's just a precaution. But that's not how they decided to staff this position. Instead, <laughs> they put a shack in the cave. Whatever you're considering staffing for a position, I would say... If somebody floats the idea, hey, hey, why don't we build a shack in this location and then hire people to live here? Maybe you're just approaching this the wrong way around. That's rarely an efficient solution to your staffing problems. And certainly it's not in this case. You may have noticed there are six thugs who live here. <laughs> six, there are six thugs who live in the shack in the cave to pilot four hovercrafts. And I kind of tried to figure out how those things line up. Like I thought, well, maybe they send out four hovercraft, each one with a pilot, and then two of them also have, you know, a gunner, somebody there with a, a rifle or whatever. So two can just kind of like chase and keep eyes on people, kind of like herd them, track them, and then the other two come in for any kind of violence that needs to be done. Or I thought, you know, maybe they hold one hovercraft in reserve when they scramble these hovercrafts, and then they send out three, and each of those three has a two-person team. But then I realized these people live here. And they spend most of their time monitoring radar. They're ready 24 hours a day. If a speedboat comes in any time of day, these hovercrafts need to be ready to go. And it's just these six guys. I think there are six people here because they have to sleep in shifts. If there were only four, then you've got people in an emergency rolling out of bed, scrambling into a hovercraft with no idea what's going on, quickly having to be filled in. It's like, where are we going? What do we know? They haven't been watching the monitors. They've been sleeping. I don't think any of these people can leave. I mean, maybe you can take the chance that today is not going to be the day of a surprise speedboat attack and like zip over to the commissary or whatever to get everybody some energy drinks and little prepacked sandwiches and everything, some gas station food to help them get through their shift. You know, maybe somebody needs some aspirin so you can real quick zip out to whoever your neighbors are on Riganka. Looking at the map, I think that would be, I don't know, the people inside the golden statue. Maybe run up and knock on the foot real quick. Hey, excuse me, pardon me, Janice has got a headache. Hurry, there could be a speedboat any minute. But you can't leave for an extended period of time. You can't go chill out at the casino. You can't go bungee jump. So Bison has really worked himself into a situation here where living in this shack, it's like living in an Arctic base or something, right? Like they need to have everything they need. They're, they probably, I assume, get like weekly grocery deliveries or something like that. They're going to have to have a fridge. They're going to have to have a kitchen. You know, one person can be right there getting briefed on what, if anything, is on radar while they make the meals, trade off shifts, they need to be self-sufficient. They need to have all of life's essentials in the shack in the cave, even though they are literally a short walk away from, from the infrastructure of the island nation they live on. 
they they re- <laughs> they really have to just stay in the shack in the cave. And yet, I don't think that they're going to have a ton of trouble recruiting for this position because this is kind of an ideal like cushy trade job. You have to know how to pilot a combat hovercraft and you have to be willing to just abandon everything else in life at least for some tenure of, of service just to live in the shack with the rest of the hovercraft crew just 24 hours a day. But what do you do down there? Virtually nothing. Like on a day when Regonka doesn't get invaded by sea, these people have no job but to watch a radar screen where nothing is happening. And that's why it says they just they just play cards and watch TV all the time. This is one of the cushiest jobs in Regonka, especially because this is not a promising ingress to the island. You know, if you're invading Regonka by sea, the last place you want to try to come in is the exact point where they keep all the boat-killing hovercraft, as well as their radar. I mean, let's imagine a red alert scenario. Put yourself in the position of one of these hovercraft operators. It's red alert in the shack in the cave where you live. Let's think about the different ways this could go down. Helpfully, Secrets of Shadowloo has been telling us about all these different methods of attacking the island. So let's say the island is being attacked by air, right? Either it's being bombed, or more likely, Interpol is flying one of its planes over and dropping street fighters in parachutes or something like that. It's an aerial attack. There's not much you can do in this scenario. You know, your sensors are for looking out for an attack by sea, which could follow a bombing raid or something like that. So, so I think in this red alert scenario, you stay in the cave and watch your little radar screen and, you know, maybe play some cards like, you know, our hopes and prayers are with the brave aerial warriors of Shadowloo. But, you know, we can't put our lives on pause. We cannot interrupt this high stakes game of Texas rummy just because Shadowloo warriors and jetpacks are getting fistfighted out of the sky by parachuting street fighters. So yeah, I don't think anything changes. Red alert scenario number two. We're under attack by street fighters who have abandoned their parachutes. These street fighters are doing it for themselves. They are swimming to Mriganka. This approach is described on page 47, and it is specified that street fighters swimming to Mriganka just have to make a really hard swim, and if they don't swim well enough, if they end up slowing down, getting tired, being sloppy, then they might be pursued by like frogmen or something like that. No hovercrafts. That's not your department. If it's a non-vehicle attack by sea, the frogmen take care of it. And you know what? There could be aquatic vehicles coming. So I guess you'd better sit in the cave and watch the equipment and play cards. You have to be ready at a moment's notice to put a momentary pause on Texas Hold'em and scramble those hovercrafts. Red alert scenario number three. It's an attack from inside the island. Maybe one of the street fighters invited for a tournament has decided to lead an uprising. Maybe somebody managed to worm their way in on like a Shadaloo shipment and they've burst out of a crate and they start street fighting everybody. In this scenario, there's nothing happening on the water. I'd be surprised if you get a red alert at all. Because once again, you're the island's only defense against a possible impending sea attack. So even in the event that it's fire and chaos all over the surface of Mriganka, your job remains to sit in the cave and play cards. Really, the only scenario where you take part is an aquatic vehicle attack, specifically from the east, because your cave, your home, is on the eastern side of the island facing the sea, not on the western side facing mainland Mriganka and Thailand. So this can't just be an aquatic invasion. It has to be a big, dumb aquatic invasion because, and I'm willing to be corrected here, I'm terrible at geography, but I think the best that an aquatic invasion on Mriganka could do to come at it from the east would be from like up the coast from Malaysia or across what I guess is called the Malacca Strait from like the very northwestern point of Indonesia. We're talking about a couple hundred miles. Maybe you'd do this if you were going to send in like a carrier to invade Mriganka. But in that scenario, I feel like <laughs> the hovercraft team has a limited role to play, right? Hovercrafts are for chasing James Bond, not for fighting aircraft carriers. And a James Bond, or, you know, a street fighter playing James Bond, 
isn't going to take a speedboat 200 miles from the northwestern point of Indonesia to invade Mriganka from the east. They're going to launch a fucking speedboat off the coast of Thailand that they snuck in in like a wagon of coconuts or some other player character bullshit. And they're going to go right across that little tiny strait, the same one that Bison swam over when the villagers were chasing him. And they're going to land on the western side of Mriganka, where you, the shack-dwelling hovercraft operator, number one, probably won't be able to sense them at all, certainly not in time. And number two, you would have to scramble the hovercrafts all the way around Mriganka to try to catch a speedboat covering a distance that, speaking of James Bond, James Bond could probably jump that distance in a speedboat. You're not getting those hovercrafts all the way around the island in time. And once that speedboat runs ashore, you are one stinky beach away from this being someone else's problem. You can maybe take the hovercrafts up on the beach, but Bison is not going to be scrambling six hovercrafts to go patrol the streets of Mriganka. That's someone else's job. You go back to your shack. You go back to your shack, watch the monitor, and play cards. All roads lead to playing cards, if this is your job, even in a red alert scenario. Really, the, the only way I can see you ever ending up in a real bad scrape is if somebody who was already on the island knew about your little cave and tried to bust in from the other side to take you out and open the island up to a naval invasion. That would be a serious issue because not only do you pilot the hovercrafts, but you also watch the radar, right? The reason that it would be foolish to attack Mriganka from the sea is that you're sitting there watching the monitor as you play cards. What that means is, number one, the cave needs to be heavily defended from the Mriganka side. And number two, Mriganka defense is going to make sure nobody knows about it. In other words, that it is secret. And indeed, this plum assignment is the secret of Shadowloo on this page. Who would have guessed that deep in a shack, in a cave, on Mriganka, would be six people, six elite hovercraft operators, just leading a work-free, isolated, well-defended, very cozy existence, just chilling out on the big Shadowloo couch, awaiting the day when they are called into hovercraft combat, a day that will probably never come. Not only for the reasons I've laid out, but because both from an in-fiction and out-of-fiction perspective, there are much better defenses to throw at aquatically inclined street fighters trying to invade Mergonka. Join me tomorrow for that squid I promised you on MDC. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret Patreon-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that RSS feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact or check out the show wherever you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This season's theme music, used under a Creative Commons license, is City Lights at Night by Revolution Void, whose work you can find at sites.google.com slash view slash Revolution Void, or at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash revolution underscore void. Thanks for listening. Now get lost. You can't compare with my power. <laughs> <laughs>